Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. Hey guys, episode 112. I'm so excited. I have another value of coaching call here where I introduce you to one of my badass clients who is actually a coach for moms. I think you're going to get some value out of this. She talks about how she was before. She even has an acronym before working with me and after. And not only does she work with me one-on-one, but she gives insight into what it's like working in the group and why that is different. We don't get to that to the end, but it's definitely worth paying attention to. She talks about all the things. Matter of fact, she started talking so much that I just hit record because she started saying some stuff and I was like, wait, we got to capture this on the podcast. So we just literally just start talking. Like a lot of my clients, we build such a bond that we just talk. All things coaching, our before and afters, where we are now. So just kind of be a fly on the wall. And she talks about it. I also talk about and acknowledge that I am a cheerleader coach. Yes, I'm a cheerleader coach. I gas my clients up. And I talk about why. I know in coaching, there's rules against that. Well, I give a good explanation as to why I choose to do that on purpose. So listen in. She gives a lot of nuggets about how your thoughts create relationships and how your relationships are just thoughts. Oh my God. Take a listen. All right, guys. Let me know what you think. Brig at BrigJohnson.com. I answer all the replies. I'm just excited to have you on. I really I'm am. excited to be on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess we should start and be official. But yeah. as you guys may or may not have paid attention, I have a guest today. <laughs> this is another value of coaching series. And today I have... I'm going to butcher your last name, so I'm going to let you say your name. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I want you to say it. <laughs> okay. Just Shiro Bergbauer. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. It's not that hard. I look at the letters and then I get confused. My brain starts going and then like, oh, but Bergbauer. Yes. Shiro anyway. Bergbauer. Tell them all about you. All right. Who are you? What do you do? Like just a short version because we're going to get all <laughs> into it. Yeah. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a life coach, and I'm a nurse anesthetist. I wear many different hats. I love it. And a friend. And a friend. <laughs> right? All of yes. the things. All of the things. Yes. Everybody has like an origin story of what it was like before. I love sharing, like, because the whole series is the value of coaching. Like, what was the value of yeah. coaching? So give us a picture of where you were before you started coaching. And this may or may not be your first coaching container. You know, Brig, I've told you this before. I have this acronym, Shiro's Life After Brig. It's a slab season of my life. So I had never had a one-on-one coach. I had self-coached before. And I just knew the moment you came into my orbit, I literally like 
pause the podcast I was listening to. I heard you being interviewed on a podcast and I paused it and I wrote down the name because you were talking so fast. And I wrote down your name and I paused it. I went to Facebook. I searched you because I was like, surely we have mutual friends because she's a nurse anesthetist. And I was like, I'm going to work with her. And I remember like reaching out to you like out of the ether and you were probably like, who is this chick? And I just knew it. I knew we would have to work together. And I signed up for my consult with you on my 38th birthday. It was June 8th of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I just remember in our consult, I knew I wanted to work with you, but I didn't even know what it was that I wanted to work on. There were so many different things. And when we did the consult, you asked me some questions about like my relationships, especially with my family of origin and my job. And it really gave me like just a mirror to see how I was showing up. Right. And I was kind of deciding on launching a business. And so I was like, well, and there's there's that. And I have to say, like, I literally look at my life now and I don't even recognize that girl that came on the consult, but I honor her so much for making that decision to get on a consult. So good. What was going on in your life that made you reach out though? So I was working this job and I wanted to be a coach. I didn't know anybody that was doing what I was doing. I had been in some smaller coaching communities, but I didn't know anybody who was coaching and doing anesthesia. And and we coached on this. I felt like it was weird of me to not be satisfied with the life I had as a nurse anesthetist. I was making good money. You know, I was kicking ass at my job and I was like, but I want more. Mm. And what's wrong with me? Why can't I be satisfied with what I already have? And I just remember you created the safety for me to be a nurse anesthetist and want more. And so that was part of the reason why. And then I was having just like some struggles in my family relationships, my relationship with money, just a lot of things that I needed to clean up in order for me to just like own my shit, right? Yeah. So you just created that space for me so beautifully. So good. So good. I do remember both of us geeking out because you were a nurse anesthetist and I was a nurse anesthetist. I do remember that. It's like your people. And so there was this sense of, oh, you're my people. And I think that can come in multiple ways because I work with high achieving Black women. I think when we see another high achieving Black woman, it's like, oh, you're my people. Yes. Yes. Right. And there's some shared commonality of things that you don't have to explain. And I think in in the nurse anesthetist thing is like, I was working 24 hour shifts and you have call and stuff like that. So there was that shared thing of like, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, because it was really my first like foray into one-on-one coaching, I felt like I didn't have to explain. For example, you were very accommodating with me about like, sometimes I knew I was going to have a three o'clock call and then my surgeon was taking too long and I was tapping my feet and then it would be 3.05 and I was late. But I felt like I didn't have to explain that circumstance to you because you knew the difficulty of actually leaving on time and, and showing up on time. And I, and I made a lot of effort to be there. But like, I felt like you were able to just kind of give me concessions for that because you knew the nature of the job. And there were times I brought like drama from work into coaching and I didn't have to explain the details. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of nice. Right. I think that works what, cause my container has always been one of, look, we're grown women. And if you can't make it just cancel, you don't need yeah. permission. 
that's why I let you guys have the calendar when I did it one-on-one. It's like, just cancel and then just reschedule. And if you don't have a spot, just message me and we'll make it happen. Because I do know at this level, shit happens. In business, like you may have a full calendar and you have that one slot and then someone comes in and says, my assistant took that slot because the president of the company. So I understood that because I know some people were like, no, this is your spot and this is your spot forever. And I was yeah. never like that because life doesn't necessarily, I understood that sometimes life doesn't absolutely happen on Tuesdays at nine o'clock. This is your coaching time yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say too, I think you showed up for me in that way. I've also been very flexible with my moms and coaching because I coach mostly CRNAs because I see it in the coaching communities where people are like, oh, if they're not showing up for their calls, maybe they're not taking it seriously. And I'm like, I just didn't have that bias. I've never had that bias because I know they are taking it seriously, but our job happens and we just can't leave the patient on the table and run off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Okay. So I don't know if you remember the console, but that was why you reached out. How did you decide to work with me though? So when I heard you interviewed on that podcast, I think it was a panel of black coaches on uh, Stacey Bayman's podcast. And I remembered the way you showed up, you took such ownership. And I love that about it because I saw somebody who was like me, who was doing something that I wanted to do. And you know how they say like success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. I felt like you sharing your experience was literally just like, hey, this is the path I've mapped out. You don't have to go it alone. And so I just remember coming on the consult, like if I'm going to be a coach, I want to work with somebody who can help me manage my mind drama, but also who gets it and has done it. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest coaching when I was thinking about launching my business, I still remember it clearly. We were coaching on something and you helped me just have this like light bulb moment where you were asking me my goals for my business and what I wanted to do. And you stopped me and you were like, what about the moms? What about the clients? Because I was all in my goals and just so focused on the outcome Mm -hmm. that I was like missing, you know, the forest for the trees. The reason I was doing this wasn't to generate revenue, which is, it's a great result, but what about my clients? And you brought me back there. And then the other two biggest lessons that I learned from you very early, like it was pretty our first coaching calls Mm -hmm. was the concept of what I wanted my relationships to be. And you taught me that relationship wasn't about proximity or access. You literally were just like relationships are just thoughts you choose to have about somebody. And it changed my relationship with my parents. It changed my relationship with my husband, my siblings, it was just like, I don't have to show up the way they're up. I can just have thoughts about them. And the last one, I still remember because I was in Austria, I was buying clothes and you gave me this like epiphany because I was like, the clothes don't fit me and I gained so much weight. And you were like, oh, just buy clothes in your size. And I was like, wait, what? And you told me something that ha- stuck with me so long. You said I didn't have to like punish myself all the way to get into my goals. Mm. I could love myself. And get to my goals, because I think especially in the career that we're in, we kind of it was like baptism by fire. The only reason you survived and became a nurse anesthetist was because you went through a lot of pain. And so in my mind, the only way to get to a goal is to punish myself the whole way. (laughs) Right. And just that self-love. So honestly, Brig, like when I think back, like I got on the consult, what I thought I was going to get versus what I have achieved working with you it's exponential. I can't even like 
put it in a context because I was just like, I want to have better relationships and I want to have a better marriage and I want to be a better wife and sister and mother and daughter. And we did so much work that the result was inevitable. So good. So good. And I knew that, like I knew that I think as the coach, my responsibility is like to hold my client's highest self. So I was always like, it's going to happen. Like I was literally like, "Mm -hmm." it's around the corner. Like I knew better relationships were there. I knew your relationship with other people were going to be better. Like I just knew that. So, so good. You know, when I heard you interviewed with Lindsay the other day and you said that about her, it literally gave me goosebumps because you saw the vision for me, like you had the vision and you've always even just encouraged me. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, she's just gassing me up. And I just realized like you saw the vision for me when I couldn't see it because I was so in my drama. Yeah. Here's the deal. Yes. I gas my clients up because as black women, no one else hypes us up. Mm -hmm. Like no one, like we don't get like, you're the best you can do with that or that. Like, yes, but I'm gassing you up from full belief. It's not bullshit. Yeah. Right? It feels weird, though, for a lot of my clients because I'm like, you're totally amazing, da-da-da-da-da. It feels weird because we're just not used to having people do that for us. But if we were a Black man on a football field, we would totally be used to someone gassing us up. You got this. You can do this. Can't nobody touch you, da-da-da-da-da. But as women, like, we're not supposed to. I'm like, bullshit. Gas my clients up. Of course I am. I'm your biggest cheerleader. And I know like some coaching schools tell you not to be a cheerleader. No, I'm a fucking cheerleader. Right? Yes. I am. And, you know, because as a recovering people pleaser and a person who needed external validation, it was so different. It wasn't external validation like, oh, you belong. And if I gas you up, it means that something about you. It was literally like, I see your value. I see what you're about. And I'm going to make sure that you keep seeing it. Right. For sure. For sure. Okay. So let's get back to the specifics. Because I know you mentioned three things like your relationships with people are just thoughts about people. I know some people are like, what is she talking about? Like, let's break that down because they're like, what are you talking about? Give one example that you feel comfortable sharing of a relationship and then how that changed. Yeah. So the best example, and and I'm very comfortable sharing this, is my relationship with my mom. And I had this idea of how I wanted my mom and I to have a relationship. And I was like, you know, we call each other every day and we do these things. And I think the first time we coached about this, I was traveling and my mom wasn't responding to my messages and I was all distraught. And I was like, I just want her to have a relationship with my daughter. And you were like, she has a relationship with your daughter. I'm like, but I want her to talk to her all the time. And you gave me the example of your grandmother. And now that is actually the example that I use because my own grandmother died in 2003. So it's been 20 years almost. And I still have a relationship with my grandma. Like I think about her and I'm like, oh, what would my grandma say about this situation? Like I love her and I have like conversations in my head. And so when I was giving you this like solid circumstance where I'm like, but I want her to have a relationship and talk to her all the time. You were like, no, it's just the thoughts that you have about her and each other. And so I started even showing up in my relationship with my mom without expecting her to reciprocate anything I was doing, just like out of pure love. Like I would call her 
she was going to call me back. I would text her, like I would send her pictures because what I used to do is if I felt any sense of rejection or perceived rejection, I would also kind of hold back. And so I was just duplicating what I was receiving. And instead, I just started showing up in the energy of, oh, hi, mom, how's everything going? Here's a picture, We, we went here. And like, whether or not she responded to it, I'm like, I am doing my role in the relationship. I think thoughts about her. I love her. She's amazing. I'm just sharing with my mom. And I know. And I remember even like coming to you, like I would have notes and you're like, wait, wait, stop. <laughs> and I just think amazing thoughts about her. My own relationship with my dad. And in fact, when I started working with you, my dad and I had just kind of started rebuilding the relationship. I hadn't spoken to my dad for three years mm-hmm. and it was a whole thing. And so now the way my dad and I have a relationship, I love him just as he is. And I have thoughts about him because what I noticed is my resistance came from wanting people to be who they weren't. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have like, I had a template and they weren't fitting into it. Therefore, I was like, we don't have a relationship Mm -hmm. versus, oh, this is just who they are. And I just love them and I care about them. And we communicate every day, (laughs) whether I I text them or call them. Right. That's one of the key concepts. And I love that. It's like you wanted them to be something that they weren't as opposed what would love really do, which is accept them as how they are. But the only reason why we want them to be that way is is so that we can feel love, but we can just choose to feel love is what you learn. It's like Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel love for my mom or I can just choose that my mom, she just totally loves me. And then what would I do? I send her pictures. I'm in Austria, mom. Okay, yeah. like, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would be so caught up in like, did she read my message? Did she respond? And literally now it's like, I just send it out into the universe. And I'm like, I just play my role. And the irony is, Brig, like literally two months later, I had to coach one of my own clients on a similar <laughs> circumstance with her own mom. Right. And so I could show up in the space of like, I get it. I empathize, but trust me, your relationship is not proximity. It's not her responding to your message. It's really like what you think about her. And I will say like, my daughter has been the best example to like illustrate that for me, that relationships are just thought. She has amazing thoughts about my dad, my mom, her paternal grandparents. She's never physically met my dad because my dad lives basically in the North Pole, but she loves him and she loves my mom. Right. She doesn't see them all the time. But like the moment I tell her, like, we're going to grandma's house, she just lights up and she's excited. And so that was like that lesson that we coached on coming full circle where I was like, oh, they don't have to answer the calls and call her and email her and do all the things. Right. They can have a relationship. And also their relationship is really not my business. It's not mine to curate. Mm, so good. So good. Fantastic. Okay. And then the other concept, which I think is huge for us as high achieving Black women, punishing ourselves to our goals. Like we learned that, like you got to sacrifice and like you got to beat yourself up and can't believe you did that. And like literally... It's like we don't know any other way than if we don't win, the consequence is, is we beat ourselves up. And the problem with that is when we're doing epic shit, and you know that because you are, we're going to start talking about some of the things that you're creating, but the way to epic shit, because it's epic, is you're going against the stream. Whenever you're going against the stream, you're going to fail a lot. So it's not when... And then if I'm always failing and just beating myself up, you would never enjoy that journey. You just make that journey so much more difficult by not accepting the failure or making the failure mean something. And the reason why is because we just think there's either winning or beating ourselves up, but there's winning 
and loving ourselves there and loving ourselves when we don't like as much, if not more, when we don't make it. Absolutely. When the way I would set up my goals, like I would say, oh, I want to lose five pounds. And weight is like the easiest example, right? And then you like do a thing that is not going to get you to the goal. And then you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And you're so hard on yourself. I started thinking about like when my daughter wants to do something, right? If she doesn't accomplish it, I don't punish her for it, right? I support her and I encourage her. And one of the things I think that has been so interesting to me to break is in our profession, failing means somebody could die, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't see the signs of somebody going into malignant hypothermia, they could literally die. Right. But we bring that into life. We extrapolate that into life. We're like, oh, if I fail at my business, I'm going to die. If I fail at losing five pounds, I'm going to die. And what I started realizing is that's a different environment. In this environment, the only way to grow is to really water the plant with love. And Mm -hmm. so when I can love myself through perceived failure, because it's never really a failure. It's just a setback. When I can love myself through that, I can go, oh, let me evaluate what's working. You can't really evaluate when you're so busy punishing yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Because from love, you can be like, okay, love, where did we go in the wrong direction? How can we reroute? What do we want to do next? Versus like, oh, you're so stupid. I can't believe you did that. And now we're not going to do the thing again. And just that like self-flagellation, I think it's so common in Black women because that's how we survived as a species and especially as women. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it from the perspective of, oh, I don't have to be what they did to us. I don't have to punish myself. I can Mm -hmm. literally just hold space for this version of me that's evolving and just be like, oh yeah, baby girl, like it's okay. You missed the mark and it's fine. Like, I love you and you're awesome. I love that. How long did it take for you to get that though? Just literally, like how long? Because you said it so easy, like, oh, baby girl, it's such and such, such. But really, how long did that take? I would say a year. Yeah. A year. And I would notice it. I think one of the things to talk about is, and I love this quote by Viktor Frankl, which is, you know, there's a space between stimulus and response. Yes. And one of the things people think coaching just like magically, like just lights up something. I think what the best way to describe coaching is that it widens that gap. You start seeing the stimulus and then you slow down on the response. And so that awareness, it took a year to be at the perfect awareness where, oh, I see it. I see myself being unkind to myself and be like, is that really self-compassionate? Like, how are you going to get to this goal by being hateful to yourself? Mm -hmm. But it was growth. And that is, to me, is the best way to describe coaching. It's just like it expands that awareness. Yeah. But I think the difference is, is like reading that in a book of like Mm -hmm. such and such, and then meeting weekly with someone that's like, you're doing that again. It's like if you were going to coaching, right, for basketball or golfing. Like you met with someone that's like correcting your form. Like, oh, nope, you're still tweaking your your hip. Like you're still coming up. Like that's what I think the value of coaching is. It's like not just the information, but that transformation of yes. like literally you're doing it again. And like, oh, I would always put on my glasses and like, it's the same thing. The sky's is something else, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Right? And you know, it's, it's, I love that you brought that up because that's kind of how I've actually even reframed the way I see myself and what I can achieve is, and we've talked about this. I am the person who hears about a book and get the book and read the book. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm reading this thing. And I'm trying to accumulate knowledge. 
and we recently coached on this, like just having the idea of information versus transformation. Mm -hmm. So many of us, again, high achieving black women, we've read all the books. We intellectually know all the things. What we don't remember is these books are written by human beings, just like you and me. These podcasts are by people like you and me. When we spend so much time outsourcing our transformation, right? By being like, oh, let me read one more book instead of going out in the world and going, let me make my brain super think and come up with the answer. Yes. And then maybe use a book as a resource instead of like the book is going to have the answer. And, you know, I joke now because I remember when I was so obsessed with like getting certified and you were like, I can't wait for you to get certified so you can just get it out of your system. <laughs> right. Because I was constantly outsourcing that. I was like, oh, if I read the one book, if I get this other certification, like that's mm-hmm. how I'm going to be a better coach. And you were literally like, what if you were a better coach right now? Yes. Right. And that's available to all of us always. Right. It's actually in order to go faster. Sometimes the route is to go slower. Like you said, like I worked on this for a year. Like you didn't just do one round with me. You did two rounds and now you're in Deeply Rooted. I can't remember if you did the longer version of Deeply Rooted or not. I don't, I can't even remember anymore. I think, but, I don't even know, but yeah, I know, you know, we're but, stuck together now. <laughs> yeah, so it just all meshes up. But the one thing I do want to say and caution is because a lot of people are like, well, shoot, if it took her one year to do that, then it's going to take another year. It's like, but actually, once you start separating that awareness and you start having that awareness, it may take a year to get that. But then after that, the domino effect is your transformations come fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like they and, literally start coming fast. And it wasn't that it took a year. So like I was still at the same spot. It was a journey, right? right? Yeah. So I wasn't yeah, yeah. at the bottom of the mountain. I was still going up the mountain. I just wasn't at the peak. But I, I was using the lessons over and over and like seeing myself in a different light. And I remember like when people in my life started to like comment on like the changes. Mm. And I loved that you basically held space for me to be like, your husband's not responsible for your thoughts. He doesn't even have to be on board. And I'll tell you the funniest thing, we were having dinner for his birthday on Saturday and he was just talking about how like he sees now the business. And I just remember like when I let go of him seeing the vision, I was just like, let me just go this path. I'm like, do we have food to eat? Are the bills paid? Like, let me go down the path. Yeah, I knew like, it was never a problem that, you know, he had concerns or whatever. It's like, no, like totally okay. Normalize that. Just like anything else. He just has different thoughts, nothing wrong. And it's okay. Yes. (laughs) And that was hard for me. I remember you're like, what are you making your husband's thoughts about this mean? And I'm like, I want him to be on board. And you were like, he'll get on board. Eventually he will. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't resistant. He was just very like, are you sure what is happening? And I will say too, having that like certainty for myself and belief in myself and growing that made it mean that I didn't have to outsource the decision-making, right? I could make a decision and just go to him to like, just sign off on it. It wasn't like, oh, let's make this decision together. Right. Here's the deal. What we're really saying is when you have full belief, it doesn't matter if other people don't believe you. Like it doesn't even bother you, even if it's your husband your best friend, whatever. The only reason why it's a problem when other people don't believe you is because they're tapping at that part of you that's going, well, maybe it may not happen. Like that's when it becomes a problem. But when your belief 
becomes so strong that you're like, of course he doesn't. It's okay, baby. I got you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have a roof of our head. We're good. (laughs) So good. And now you have CEO days. Tell me about this. Like what the hell? Oh my gosh. So, you know, there's lots of backstory, right? So when I was making the decision, I was at a crossroad and I'm so grateful I had you one-on-one at the time. I was at a crossroad. I wanted to apply for a management job. We coached on that. It was perfect. Like we sat down, you asked me what my thoughts were. And I was like, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to see if this is where I go into leadership in my job, or this is where I go all in on my business. I wasn't clingy to the decision. I wasn't attached to the outcome. You coached me so well to just like experience the experience of applying for a job and the subsequent not getting the job and the rejection that I felt and the disappointment you created, again, so much safety for me to feel disappointment and be okay. And so when I didn't get that job, I didn't sit in woe is me. I'm disappointed. I wanted something. I didn't get it. Now let's go. Let's go all in on the business. And so I went all in on the business. And in April, I decided I was going to go per diem. So I was going to work one day a week at my old job, which was my full-time employment, and work four days a week in doing contract anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And I remember how we coached on that. You literally just asked me, what's the best decision for your business? Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. My business is my baby. What is the best decision? Like not the decision that will feel the most comfortable, but like, if this is how we're going, if I'm going all in on my business, how is leaving this full-time job going to support my business? And so in April of 2022, I went per diem. I worked one day and I worked four days contract. At the end of the year, like around October, and I think it was in the summer where I told you, Brig, I want to quit this part-time job. I'm over it. And you were like, you'll know when it's time. Mm. Leave when you're happy about the whole thing. And so in October, I remember just having this awareness. My coaching practice was expanding and I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I'm going to need focus time to work on the business because for the longest time, I was working the business in the nooks and crannies of my time. And I was like, I need focus time. And so I looked at it and I was like, I'm going to quit this one day a week job. And I just remember my ego was so attached to that job, right? It's the number one cancer hospital in the world. And people knew me for working there. Mm -hmm. And I literally went back and listened to your podcast about attachment to form Mm -hmm. and how I was known as this nurse anesthetist from this hospital. And I realized, wait, my form has actually changed in the groups that I'm in. I'm now known as a life coach. So it doesn't even matter anymore. And I had to coach myself on like, is it even important? And the best decision for my business was to quit that job, have a CEO day every Monday. And guess what? The irony of the whole thing is that I asked my contract job for a raise and the raise actually just covered the income that I would have been getting from this one day a week job. But it's like the way I made those decisions was from very aware, like energy of I'm not quitting because I hate it. I'm not quitting because I'm pissed off. I'm just leaving because my business is my baby and my baby needs a little more attention. And when I look back, even how I made decisions about that full-time job, when I was cutting down my hours, it was because I needed to be there for my daughter and I wanted to be home more. And so now this other baby wants me to be home every Monday so I can focus on her. I love this. I love everything about this. One of the biggest values I think of coaching is me being able to make decisions, not from scarcity, but from abundance, Mm -hmm. right? Or not from lack, but from like full ownership. And it can be the same decision, but the way you make it, the energy in which you make it, 
it has completely different outcomes because of that. And so what you're like, no, what does my baby need? And it's like, what is it that I want to create my epic shit? What does it need from me and protect it like a baby? And what does it need? Yeah. On New Year's Eve, I went to clean up my locker Mm -hmm. and I just remember like feeling a sense of sadness that a a season was over, but I wasn't angry. I wasn't resentful. I like packed up my stuff and I was like, I'm so grateful for this job. It gave me 11 years of experience and practice. I'm so grateful for it. And now it's time for a new journey. And I remember we were getting in the car and my husband was like, well, this is, this is a chapter it's over. And I was like, yeah, and I'm sad about it. And I'm okay with feeling sad about it, that it's over. I don't have to be like celebrating the experience, but making that decision from a place of ownership. And, you know, Brig, when I went, my daughter and my husband were waiting in the car in the parking garage. And my daughter reminded me of how they would come visit me when I worked 24 hour call. Hmm. on the weekend. And Uh I had this like moment where I'm like, I've created a life where I will never have to work call again. So good. Right. But I did it from a place of like sufficiency and I have everything I need instead of like, I gotta, I gotta make all the money. And I remember you telling me when I was like in hustle energy with my business, you were like, why do you want your newborn baby to go out and get a job? Right. (laughs) It's yeah. like you're asking your newborn to unload the dishwasher. Your newborn cannot yeah. unload the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. And so now my newborn is like a toddler, right? Like I'm teaching it feelings. I will say one of the biggest like surprise outcomes of me taking ownership of being a coach is seeing my daughter. She recently said to me, she goes, mama, I think I'm ready to have my own clients. And me and my husband were trying so hard not to laugh. And we were like, what are you going to teach these clients? And she's like, oh, I'm going to teach them all about their feelings. Mm. And so, you know, to me, to be in a world and have normalized a world where my daughter knows that she can tell me her feelings and we can talk about them. We did this reel where she was talking about, I said, what is advice do you have for other four-year-olds? And she's like, well, when you have difficult feelings, you should tell your parents. And I thought, I have created a world in which she believes every parent knows how to navigate their child's feelings. And like, isn't that like the value of coaching that I'm extrapolating that to my child? Yes. Right. A world where a Black woman can grow up owning her feelings and taking full ownership yes. for the way she feels. Not yes. he did this. And to now me, it's funny that to me. Yes. And it's so funny because my daughter now will say, like, the other day my husband was like, You made me sad. And my daughter is like, I didn't make you sad. You made you sad. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, You have thoughts. You had a feeling. Maybe something I did contributed to your thoughts, but uh uh-uh, you take ownership of your emotions. I'm not, I'm not here back yours and I'm going to keep mine. Yeah. Here's your sadness back. Yes. And so to see that I'm like, coaching isn't just like the results in my own life. It's how I'm seeing my own family evolve and how I'm seeing my own child experience life. And like you said, she's going to be a black girl who grows up knowing that her emotions are important and that she doesn't need anybody in the world to validate them. Right. And I'm not going to caretake your feelings. So good. Yes. So good. So how have you, let's talk about you. Let's make a switch over because I know you coach CRNA moms and I know you're amazing at it. How have you used what you've done with them? Like how have you used this coaching with them? Tell me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So 
you know, the first thing, you know, you talk about owning our epic shit all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounds so airy-fairy when you think about it. You're like, owning my epic shit. And it's so interesting to me. When I first started showing up in that community, sometimes my posts would get like, I'd get in trouble. They're like, oh, this is self-promotion. And I remember, I don't know if we coached directly on it, but I think I mentioned it to you and you were like, what do you want to do differently? And I was just like, I'm just going to go in there and give value. Yes. And so this group has like 10,000 women who are all CRNAs. They're all moms or trying to be moms. And I thought to myself, this is another person's audience that I can literally give the knowledge and the information I have, my own transformation and share. And so what I started to do is, you know, there's posts there every day, people posting about different situations they have, their husband, their kids, their jobs. And I just started showing up in the energy of, I'm one of you and I've struggled with this before. Here's a different way to look at it. Mm. And so I just started to grow that muscle, like just grow it and share. And what started to happen is people would tag me on posts. Somebody would comment something and they'll be like, I wonder what Shira Bergbauer has to say. So I would get a notification and I would read it and I would like, oh, this is something we should talk about. And what I also started to do is the little common struggles that everybody had. I started to build my content around that to Mm -hmm. kind of show them when we talk about self-compassion, we talk about common humanity. You're not the only one that's dealing with this. Yeah. Right. But here's a different way in which you can approach it. And the reason I know it is because I'm a true living example of the work of coaching. I've been coached. I know the changes that it's made. And I always tell people the reason I have certainty in coaching is because I've seen the results in my own life. Right. Like working with you was like total game changer for my life. My highest self that I imagined in 2021 when we met that version, I already got there. Like now I'm like, okay, future self. It's like explodes my mind. So I teach these women, like, I'm like, you are so smart. You literally put people to sleep and bring them back to life. Mm -hmm. You can figure out life and I can help you. Yes. And so that has been such energy because I literally believe in the value of it. And, you know, I wanted to go back on relationships. But before you do that, because... (laughs) <laughs> Wait just a second. Yeah, Before you do that, I want to bring one thing out because I know not everybody does anesthesia or not everybody does coaching. And I wanted to like really bring out the important point of we make more money because of our value, right? The value that yes. we give, that's what's in exchange for money. And so for you, it was you managing your mind when they were like, no self-promotion, da, 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 da. I was like, okay. Well, instead of getting in a corner and like, I can't do this and such and such, you just said, okay, decide how do I want to show up and I'm just going to give value, right? And then that value turned around to people starting to tag you and you being known as that expert. And that's for anybody that has any kind of thing that they want to do. It's like, Concentrate on putting out your value. If it's a program, it's a course, if it's a product, if you're a speaker, I know I have some speakers, all of that, like your job is to concentrate on your value and what you can put out there and your value. That's how we make money, right? And the biggest thing you can do to protect your value is manage your mind. And the biggest way you can manage your mind is to be able to, do compassion, accept love, be in your body, all of that. It's like, it all is a holistic view. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. But I was thinking about like relationship building in terms of giving value, right? Yes. 
again, you are building like that no like and trust factor. It's yes. more like, oh, she gets me. She mm-hmm. hears me. And because you you curated that so beautifully for me, again, you've always been the example of coaching that I know one-on-one. So I, I built my relationship with my clients in the same way. Like, oh, I hold space for you. I'm willing to risk the relationship with you in order for you to see your highest self. And just like never focusing on, oh, what's in it for me? It's like, what is the best way that my client will get what they came for that may be uncomfortable for them today, but like they'll look back. And we had some uncomfortable coaching, you and I, where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get off this call right away, (laughs) right? But you held that space for me to be like, I'm willing to risk the relationship so you can get to your highest self. So that relationship building, I think in coaching, the value of coaching is that your coach gives you safety to see what relationship building looks like. There's an exchange, but it's not always a monetary exchange because you and I coach more like, what am I going to get out of it? It's sometimes difficult to explain ROI of coaching when it's not business coaching, for example, right? Right. Right. And so now the way you exemplified it for me is like, there's a money exchange happening. There's a transactional relationship happening for you to be my coach. But what I'm getting out of it, the return on that investment is exponential, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm managing my mind drama, I have more time in my life, right? If I have more time in my life, I'm creating value. I'm showing up differently. My marriage is thriving. My relationship with my daughter is thriving. We're not spending money trying to solve a problem like, oh, why are we not communicating? So it's not dollar bills. But again, that value that you get from a coach changes your entire life. And it actually creates more money for you. Yeah. Cause you're not spending, like even think about like the way we numb out our feelings. Like I'm not spending money overeating or like buying shit or like spending money on all the things to make me feel good. The stuff that we unconsciously do. It's like, no, I'm actually, because I'm dealing with my life and my life's stuff like I don't have to numb out or buffer or anything like that and you're not outsourcing your emotions to like food or clothes or you're like oh I feel disappointment I'm just gonna sit in here I don't have to go shopping Mm, so good right yeah Yeah. I don't need to be entertained it's like oh I'm just bored like and they get to accept that yes right one of the things I wanted to bring up because you brought up important part is like people know and like and trust you We know that in business, like in creating your epic shit, whether you're doing a presentation in a boardroom or you're like whatever, putting your product out there into the world, like relationships are the thing that makes businesses go because they know, like, and trust you. But in order to improve your relationship with your customers, your coworkers and everything, that starts with the basis of you improving your relationship with yourself. Because until you improve your relationship with yourself, there's this neuro-notioception that, oh, she's safe, right? And the only way other people feel that is because we've made ourselves safe with ourselves. And that is actually transcribed and transpired out to other people. And so people want to work with you because... There's this sense of safety that you have and that's built from the inside out. Like I tell people all the time, it's like, what is the value of coming and working and doing deeply rooted? Why do you want to be deeply rooted? It's because your relationship with yourself improving that. And I would love for you to talk about this at the level that we do, which is different than another level. It just literally 
transcribes into a deeper relationship with everyone because of your better relationship with yourself. As you said, your relationship with your mother is better. Your relationship with your daughter is better. Your relationship with your coworkers, with your husband, now with your clients. Like it just goes on into the ethers. And business is all about relationships. What do you think? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I I went kicking and screaming into deeply rooted because I was like, no, I'm a one to one and da da da. And we're going to talk about the... that. Yes. Cause you really, really did. Y'all, I had I to like, literally tell her, no, I'm not doing one-on-one with you anymore. Get into deeply rooted. Yes. And one of the things you do so beautifully and deeply rooted is you create this space for us to really feel our uncomfortable feelings and to really focus on like, what does little me want, right? Like, what is that version of me that wasn't nurtured? And so we spend time nurturing that part of us. And I was thinking about that, like the way in Deeply Rooted, you teach us like, oh, I'm willing to feel discomfort. I'm willing to feel disappointment. I'm willing to feel shame or guilt. Mm -hmm. We just give that version of ourselves a a cause to like fight for. And I did a podcast episode on relationship goals. And one of the things I said about my goals for my relationship with myself is to continue to like love on myself and to be accepting of love. But what is the emotion I want to feel because I love myself, right? Mm -hmm. And that for me, and it's different from different people, for me, it's sufficiency, right? If I feel sufficient, I can go out in the world and help other people create sufficiency. And so that self-trust, I'm like, oh, I'm me. I have like things about me that I don't really like, but it's okay. I just love myself. And it's not from a conceited point of view. It's like, I deeply, truly love me. Yes. Yes. And people see that and people experience that because then you can't teach people. And I think Brig, we have to speak of the fact that you've done this work. You can't mm-hmm. teach us to love ourselves if you don't love yourself. And so we see it from you. Like you exemplify that so beautifully that you can come and teach it so confidently. And in Deeply Rooted, you're literally like, okay, bring out all the gunk. Just what is coming up? Like, let's talk about it. And people feel safe being intimate in that space because you've created that safety for us. Yeah. And the value of the group is like, True healing has to be done in community like that. We can't do it as the lone wolf. It just doesn't happen. That's not biologically how it happens. Like the true neurologic creating of different pathways and them getting myelinated and faster and everything has to be in group. That's why I was like, no, get your ass into the group. (laughs) Because like it really is like it accelerates the transformation because it has to be witnessed. That's the way our biology is. It has to be witnessed and it has to be said, yes, I teach you to tell yourself you matter, but it's exponential, example, whatever. It's bigger, it's more because other people say you matter too. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? When I met DL at your house and Mm -hmm. she's still one-on-one, but I remember her bringing up her drama with friendship. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, I'm not the only one. Right. <laughs> right. And so like even just seeing like other people have friendship, you know, and, and you would tell me, oh, I had this job. And I'm like, no, no, but you're bring. But like even seeing another person who looked like me, who was like, basically, you're creating a new personality, right? You go from an employee to I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own business. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is the value of the group coaching is that instead of us, because we spend a lot of time coaching on my friendship drama, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I had been in a group and somebody brought it up, I think we could have solved it like this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because exactly. I was seeing somebody else getting coached. And so 
it was interesting to just see that. And even when we met at your house, being in that space, I will say like, I felt like the coaching we got in that group setting was like, it just exploded. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so I know for people who are like, oh, groups, because I was that person. I'm like, you don't know. It's like 10xing your growth. Yeah, getting it totally is. It's a curated group, right? Though, like, it's not just like, but it's designed for it. Like I designed the group with change and transformation in mind, like literally. Yeah. You created it where like, you don't have to be the person leading it. The example I have is when I had that incident with the, with the guy, like, I'll just tell the story. I went to, um, 7-Eleven in in Grapevine, Texas. And there were people ahead of me in line. The cashier didn't say anything to them. And then when it was my turn, he was like, I just want you to know we're not taking EBT payments yet. And I was like, why do you feel the need to tell me that? And he was like, well, I just, you know, I don't want you to be upset if I can. I was like, what what gave you the impression that I was going to use EBT payments? Mm -hmm. And it clicked in my mind, like, oh, he didn't say that to the white people. Like three white people were ahead of me in line. He did not say that because I was paying attention. And I I will actually not be buying these things. Have a nice day. But I stopped him and I said, please check your biases. I said, the moment you assume that as a black woman in your store that I was going to be using food stamps, that is the moment you need to go check yourself and your biases. What made you think? I said, if you had seen the vehicle I got out of, would you have said that to me? Right. And so I went back in my car and I was heated. I was hot. I was upset. And I just was like, I'm going to go to Deeply Rooted. I'm going to go to the Slack group and just pour it out there. And Mm. I was so supported and I was so loved. I think by the time you even saw the post, like Franchelle and Janae had like loved on me and like gassed me up. I was like, I was okay. So it's like, I have a home there and it doesn't have to be Brig leading it all the time. It's like, we create that space for each other. Yeah, because I teach you the tools on how to do it. Once you know how to do it for yourself, you know how to do it for others. And that's the whole point of the group because- it's a mastermind. It's not just my brain. It's everybody's brain. And the way you guys, like I tell you guys all the time, you guys take my shit and make it better all the time. Like you explain it even better. And I love that. And so I got on there. By the time I saw it, I was like, I ain't got nothing to say. Like y'all said it. (laughs) I know. I'm like, how old is Janae 22? I'm like 22 year old today, like took it and ran with it and coached me and yes. helped me feel like, oh, okay, she was like, she gassed me up. She was like, you're doing epic shit in the world. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And then I didn't stay in that like anger, yes. right? I was like, okay, I can feel anger. And I calmed myself down and I I filled out a complaint with 7-Eleven and mm-hmm. it was handled, right? Yes. So I didn't even stay on it. And I knew like when I explained it to my husband, he got it, he empathized with me but he didn't get it the way the women in the group got it. Exactly. And that was okay too. Yeah. yeah. I think you illustrated a point, which is what I'm like really learning. Like the techniques and tools that we use are to accelerate our recovery because in this world, we're going to yes. get insults. Like we're going to have shit happen to us. Yeah. The world is not changing. So our job is to like, okay, y'all don't have to. <laughs> like I'm going to yeah. be responsible for my change. And so what would have taken you out completely might have ruined the whole vacation. You argue with your husband, you don't understand, get like short chain with your daughter and not really present because you were able to like take it to someone, get coaching, you recovered and came back to baseline telling your nervous system you went back to safety. 
And we don't have that skill as Black women. Like, we're always on high alert, and that just drains us emotionally, physically. We're always on alert and hypervigilant. And so what you basically did was like, I had a place, I used my tools, and I came down a baseline, I handled it, I made some decisions, and it was over. Stress response complete. Yes. It was literally like my Olivia Pope moment where I was like, it's handled. Yeah. Yeah, Like I don't have to ruminate on it. But you know, one of the things I think that is so important to mention, Brig, especially the value of coaching, it's the comfort of feeling uncomfortable emotions. And I can't say this enough because I was very guilty of bypassing discomfort, right? I would come with you with a model and I would already have an intentional model. And you're like, wait, 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 pause. Right. Right. And I think like that, the concept of bypassing discomfort, we don't learn. And so one of the things you've done with coaching Tell me what that is for me for and people for who don't know what us, that is, what does that mean? It's like, bypass? so you have a model and you're like, in this model, I feel anger. I feel sadness. It's very uncomfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. And in your mind, what you're telling yourself is if I have a different thought model, I'm going to feel a better emotion. Right. And so we don't want to spend time in the thoughts and what's happening in this model. We want to go straight into the feel good model. And I was very guilty of that. Like I would write it all down and I'd be like, this is the model that I want to be in. And you're like, let's come back over here. Let's feel the sadness in our body. Because I was telling myself, well, if I'm sad, I can't go out in the world and be a coach. And you Mm -hmm. exemplify, you're like, no, no, no. Like you can feel sadness and still go in the world with awareness. And so instead of like, running away from it, I would complete that stress cycle. For example, I'd be like, okay, I'm feeling sadness. Where do I feel it in my body? Like, can I sit with this? Am I okay with this? Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, like the model, what she's using model is like one of the tools that we use to have self-awareness about what we're thinking and how that creates some different results in our life and how it creates the feeling. And so what we do is we have like the model that we're in, or what we're thinking now, and then what we want to think and what we want to create. And so the first level is to like see the difference in those two models. And she says, bypass and go straight to it. But one of the things I love doing is keeping people in the unintentional and allowing them to process that all the way through what we call the unintentional or what we're actually making that mean and like experience our feelings. I think as Black women, we've been taught like to shut it down, choke it down and keep mm-hmm. put your head down and keep going because that was a matter of survival. And that got us to where we are now. And I want you to talk to this and maybe we'll close it with this is to understand like what got us here because that level got you to CRNA, right? And to like yes. where you are now. But it takes a completely different skill to go to the next level and that means shedding that old versions, those old tools that definitely worked, which was put your head down, shut down, do it to now I'm going to like feel my feelings. What are you talking about? Become more aware, right? Get to know myself. What are you talking about? Like, how is it me getting to know myself is going to help me get to the next level? Why are these tools? What is the difference? And how is that? Like, if you have anything to say about that. So the best example I can use is when I was going through just the, the sadness of two of my friendships changing form and right. sadness and feeling excruciating sadness. And I was like, I, 
I had so many thoughts about that. Some of the thoughts would be like, I've suffered enough. Like this is taking too long. And staying in that emotion, one, it helped me actually understand the root cause of why I was so deeply sad and devastated. And it was the idea that I was being rejected. And it was also the idea that I was making it mean that if these friendships had not been successful, it meant that I was not a good coach. I was literally extrapolating one thought into meaning something that didn't even make sense. And staying in that model, like, can we really, really question that? And why am I actually sad? And I remember telling you, like, if these people wanted me to be my friend today, I probably don't even want to be friends with them anyways. Right? Yeah. Right? But it was the idea that because the friendship ended on their terms, mm. I was like, well, I didn't get, like, the last word. I need to get go back. And you helped me just, like, sit in it and just, like, feel the sadness. And, like, what is the sadness telling me? And what am I making it mean? And one of the things I was making it mean was... If they don't like me, if they have different thoughts about me, it means the entire world believes that I'm not a good coach. And you literally were like, can you be a good coach and have some friendships go to crap? And I was like, oh, yeah, you could could totally do that. And so I think being willing to feel those emotions not only has helped me just like grow, but it's helped me just to understand why my brain even gives me that input. Why am I feeling sadness? It's information. It's not who I am. I'm not sad. I'm not a sad person. I'm just feeling sadness. It's just information that my brain is like, okay, we're experiencing this emotion because we think we're being rejected. And, you know, Brig, I had a lot of issues about getting voted off the proverbial island. I've always had that, right? And so it was like, oh, I'm feeling extreme sorrow that I was voted off an island that I didn't even want to be on. (laughs) Yes. I've recently had a relationship that has changed formed as well. And I noticed that my brain and my body really wanted to be triggered because I kept thinking of the last time I had it where I like worked on it for like seven months and my brain was like, oh my God, it's going to take seven months. And I was like, no, because you've already done those lessons. No. And so I was able to take it deeper. And so the deeper one was, What if it was true? Like, what if what they're saying about me was true? What do I make that mean? And so I went to like, I have to fight it. I have to prove that it's not true because if it's true, Mm -hmm. then that means something about me and I can't be that amazing coach. And I was like, what if it was true? Doesn't mean that I can't be that in in the future because my future has absolutely nothing to do with someone's thoughts about something that I did. And you know, the other thing you taught me, Brig, was I remember we were coaching and you said, okay, what do you want to do differently? And I said, oh, I'm going to show up differently in other relationships. And you corrected me and you, you were like, you're making it mean that your actions are the reason people in their own models have thoughts about you. They just have right. thoughts about you. They just have thoughts about you. You can't influence that. And the example you used was so perfect. You said, like, when we see a man with a woman, we're always like, oh, what did she do to get him? Right? As if her actions somehow influence his thoughts. And it's like, right. no, people just choose to have thoughts and they can change their thoughts about you. And there's nothing you can do. Right? Yeah. And I was like mind blown because I was like, wait, I may experience this again. And like you said, when you were like, what if they're right? 
can we also just allow people to be wrong about us and not try to like go in there and tweak it and be like, oh, I'm going to be this person. So everybody else thinks I'm this. And it's like, right. they can be wrong and they can be right. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to, what if it was true? Because like I've done my growth on let them be wrong with you. So that was the yeah. last time I was like, well, but what if they were right? And if they're right, what does that mean? So therefore, I'm not scared. I think when you're like, it's okay, if even if they're right, then you're not scared to unpack it. I was like, because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have anything to do with your ability to do anything in the future. It's like, Ooh, I love well, that, that moment, yeah. in that time, you made a decision or you acted or you said something and they had thoughts about it. And it's like, but that absolutely has nothing to do with you being able to create in the future at all. True. And it also makes you just self-aware in terms of like, oh, I'm not here as a coach to be perfect. Right. I'm a human being living in a human world with a human brain. The difference between past me and present me is that I have tools and I have support. Mm. And so even when I'm like, oh my God, this is me being petty. Old me would have been petty. New me is like, I have coaching. I could go in deeply rooted and throw that in there. And Brig will like beautifully exemplify how my brain is working. And I'll be like, oh, that's the thought error. That's what I'm thinking wrong. That's creating all of this. And, you know, I wanted to talk about deeply rooted for those people who may be thinking about joining. Mm -hmm. One of the things you do so beautifully is that you can be totally new to this work. You can be a newbie to thought work. You can be, you've never heard of thought work before. And you walk into Deeply Rooted and Brig, you literally go step by step by step by step. This is how we do it. This is what it's looking like. And one thing that you've added in Deeply Rooted is like looking at our thought models and talking about them, Mm -hmm. seeing how another person's brain works, Mm -hmm. what their brain gives them input, but then seeing an expert, which is you, walking them down that thought line and just being like, look at this thought and this is the experience you're having. And you also take our models when we put in our coaching, we have coaching support Mm -hmm. in in Slack. Mm -hmm. You take our models and you ask more questions. Like sometimes we have very simplistic models and you're like, that's not what's happening. This is actually what's going on. So if you're new to thought work and you're just like, this is so overwhelming. I don't know what I would do. Like, would I join that? I think the way you've built Deeply Rooted is that anybody can come in at any level and still get what they want. Yeah, I did that on purpose because I believe like the best thing I can do is to help you be able to coach yourself. Like if you leave here and you don't know anything else, you know how to coach yourself because when we do epic shit, like shit happens. (laughs) And I don't want you to have to be tied to, oh, I need Brig. Like, no, know how to coach yourself and get yourself through it and through it so that you can recover, take a deep breath and then bring it to coaching later. So good. Anything else? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, Brig, I am so thankful for you. And, you know, I was reflecting when I was looking at my business at the end of the year. And I remember last year, we did a whole month where I would have to do models on the result line of my model being a fully booked coach. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think is so valuable that you taught me is just because we set a goal doesn't mean that if we don't accomplish it in the time that like something's wrong we just got the calendar wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it took up to the end of 2022 to get to being fully booked. But because I had done that work and what do I need to do? What do I need to be thinking about myself? What do I need to think about my clients? I look back at those models and I'm like, oh, the work was happening here. You were setting the foundation Mm -hmm. for what you wanted to achieve in your business. And so now 
it's like the belief in what my business can become and belief in what my clients can achieve. I didn't have to have the solid examples for an entire year and a half, right? Mm -hmm. I could just believe that I could create that result in the world. Like you were my cheerleader. You were like, you you got this. And I would get a consult and I would come and I would tell you, oh my God, I have a consult. And I wanted to say, actually, one of the things that you helped me really, really, really appreciate is celebrating the little things. Yes. And by little things, I mean like, oh, I made $500. I'm like, yay! (laughs) Because it was just like, oh, I created a consult and I celebrated that because sometimes we wait for the milestone. Yeah, It's like you run a marathon and instead of celebrating each mile marker, you celebrate the very end. But -hmm. if you don't finish the marathon, what if you sprain your ankle at mile 24? Does that mean all those miles didn't count? And so you just were like, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. So I see it in my business. I see the value of how coaching has helped me just like transform into the person I am today. And I'm like, the up level is only beginning. I am going to own my epic shit and it's happening. And yeah, like hang on tight because this rocket is taking off. Not only epic shit, but you're creating an epic life, right? Like you're not sacrificing an epic life to create your epic shit. That's the thing. It's like, because yes. we can create epic shit, but like not at the expense of an epic life. Yeah. Like there's no hustle. There's so much rest. There's so much time. I look at my life now. Like I was literally looking at my calendar for the week. I'm like, there's so much space, like expansion space where I can just like be. And I get to like go to bed with my daughter every night, read her story. I get to like hang out with my husband and like every weekend we have family times. Those things used to be fantasies Mm. and we're creating that life now. Yeah. And I I get to help other women change their own lives. Yes. Right. So good. Yeah. I love that we're learning to switch from dependent to like, no, we're creators as black women. Like we're creator of our emotions. We're creator of our destiny. We're creator of our futures. But it starts with understand that we're the creator of our emotions. I'm really stickler about that. And when we figure that out, then it's like now you can see how you can create anything else. I want to thank you for being willing to show up the way you've done so that women who look like us can say, oh, Because let's be honest, coaching is a very white industry, Mm -hmm. right? So for you to show up and take up the space, you're like, oh, there's room for us at the table. And actually, we just created our own table. But your willingness to show up in that space, you could do it too. Like, let's go. I want to thank you for that because you didn't have to. And there's other Black coaches who have not created that level of exposure for themselves. And doing that, honestly, not only are you an example of what's possible, but you've created this like, oh, I can do it because Briggs done it. Yeah. And that's super, super important. Representation is so important. Yeah. And I like specifically wanted to just be me, meaning I don't leave my blackness, (laughs) my way of pronouncing things, the words I use. I don't leave that at home. Like it comes with me. This is me. And the only thing I can think of is like, I literally shine a light so that other people can know the way. That's it. Like my job is to shine a light so that other people's going away. I fully expect my clients to get there faster and do more than me. 
And I am totally okay with that. That is like, of course, right? My goal and my dream. But it's like, my job is just like the way, just like the way. And then y'all just go And you've done that so beautifully. Just epically. You've just owned your epic shit. Mm -hmm. Anything else you got to say? Yes. If you're a black woman, you need to get into deeply rooted. I don't even care if you have to like sell your house. It's, It's not that expensive, but... This work is so important. It's transformational. The value of coaching, honestly, like I know we sound like we just, you know, we all drank the coaching Kool-Aid and we talk about it. But when you see it for yourself, you can't unsee it. Yes. When you see your life after coaching, you cannot unsee what's out there for you, what's available, the space for expansion. Yeah. And I want this for all of us. Yeah. I want to say it's like that. We say when you see it, but it's really when you experience it. It really is an experience. It's like an embodiment of your sufficiency. Like we give the talk of I'm this and I'm that, but when you embody it, when you experience your sufficiency, when you go through some shit and you know the way you're going through it is different than the the old version of you to go through it. It's like, oh, absolutely. Right. Like that's when the light bulbs go off for me. It's like, wait a minute. I'm going through some shit, but I'm not going through it the way I used to go through it. The way I used to. Yeah. Like even now I think about it, like if I ever have like friendship drama or if I ever have workplace drama, I'm like the way I do it now and experience it now is not how I used to. I don't even have to be scared about it. Yeah. Right. Because those insult comes. But now I know I have a recovery protocol. Like I literally know how to take care of myself. That is the whole thing of like, I literally know I have my own back. So Yes. And I think it's even like translated into my own parenting where I realize like the feeling of confusion is so indulgent. Owning epic shit isn't just like going out and creating amazing results. It's also owning for me. Like I'm my daughter's mom and I can help her. I don't have to be confused about her tantrums. I don't have to be confused about what she needs. I'm like, I can help her. I got this. I love that. And I mean, my husband will be the first to tell you, he's like, I didn't understand this coaching thing. I was like, what the heck is happening? And now he's like, everybody needs a coach. (laughs) I love it. You told me you're like, he doesn't have to believe it. Mm, He doesn't. Yeah. You will be the example and he'll see it in you. Yes. You always go first. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So tell them who are your ideal clients? Because I think every like, hey, everyone needs a coach. Who are your ideal clients? Who do you work with? Give them all. So I work with moms in the medical profession. And so by default, it usually happens to be nurse anesthetists, but Mm -hmm. I have pharmacists on my coaching cohort. So Mm -hmm. I work with them one-on-one and Mm -hmm. I help them with their managing their relationships with themselves, their spouses, their children, their jobs, Mm -hmm. and to create the life that they desire. I want the life that they have on the inside to match what they have on the outside. And so, you know, I just help them own their epic shit too. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Because there is like, it's like outside people. I used to say that all the time. Like I help, help people like their life to be feel inside what it looks like on the outside because it's like yeah. you have the car, you have this, and yeah, then you got the husband and everything, but you're like, uh, to your life. And it's yes. like, those two yes. need to be aligned in a match, right? Because yes. if not, what's yes. the whole point of it? What's right? the point? I love yeah. that. Okay, so you have a podcast. Tell us about it. I do. It's called the Stethoscopes to Swaddles podcast. 
podcast. Love it. And it comes out every Monday. And the name just came up because I was like, we go from being experts of the stethoscopes and then we become moms and we have to learn how to swaddle a baby. And it's a whole mind fuck. I love <laughs> so, this. I just love that there so, yeah, is. So we like, coach on all the things. I just love that there's a space for moms in the medical field. It's like, oh, we work long hours and it's it, it, like all the things that they tell you you need to be to be a good mom is opposite when you work the medical field. Like I work 24 hour shifts. I miss my kids thing. I couldn't go like parents yeah. would be like, you can't make it to the PTA meeting. No. You know what I mean? It's no. like I'm on call that day. Yes. Like all the things. I just love that you help them on all the stuff, because I remember when I was a mom I'm always a mom, but when I was a mom of young kids, I totally could have used like all the things I was doing to compensate for what I thought I was not doing for my kids. And also that drive of like, but I got to make money to take care of my kids. Also like managing all of that, I think is amazing. The fact that these moms, like they'll tell me they have mom guilt but the more we dig into it, I'm like, it's actually shaming yourself. You're shaming yourself mm-hmm. and you're comparing yourself with people who work, you know, nine to five jobs. And you have to be in the OR, you have to be in the hospital at 6 a.m. and work 24 hour call. And it's like, you're comparing yourself with people who don't save lives. And so it's like, we had to create a space for ourselves to feel like, okay, how can we navigate the motherhood journey right. from with what we have? Because yeah. we're all working crazy hours. So yeah. they can find me at Shira Burke Bauer on Facebook or at stethoscopes.2.swaddles on Instagram. I'm on all the socials, but mostly Facebook. That's where my okay. people hang out. Tell them how to spell your last name. B-E-R-G-B-A-U-E-R. Berg Bauer. Okay. And yes. how did... How my did maiden name wasn't easier either. <laughs> Tell them how to spell your first name, just in case. Shiro, S-H-I-R-O. There you go. Yeah. And just so you know, every time Briggs says, be your own Shiro, I'm like, yeah, she's talking about me. (laughs) Of course I am, right? Yes, yes, yes. Briggs, I am like, oh, I just love you. I love all the work that we've done together. You have Mm -hmm. just changed my life. I'm going to be 40 this year. Mm -hmm. And I never anticipated my life would look the way it does right now. I love and this. I can't and you wait. came to I me on your wait. 38th birthday. 38. I know. Yeah. 38th birthday. My life transformed at 38. Yeah. So good. So good. All right, yeah. guys. Look her up. Thank you. Thank you. And go to Deeply Rooted waitlist page if you're interested. Talk to you later. Bye. Did you enjoy this podcast where I have a personal invitation? I want to spend time with you, coach you, talk about the issues that are affecting you. We do this in a community we call the Melanin Hour, created just for us high-achieving Black women. You can register at brickjohnson.com forward slash coaching. And don't forget, Deeply Rooted is where we put all this shit together. We immerse ourselves and we master this. Six months, you, me, and a bunch of women that look like you and got a little melanin in them. (laughs) That's Deeply Rooted. You can register for the wait list at brickjohnson.com forward slash group. Hope to see you there. Bye.